welcome to the Hope City Church podcast. We're so excited for you to listen along and hear this week's message. We pray it inspires and motivates and draws you closer to Jesus. Let's take a listen. Okay, now, let me tell you about this year. I'm excited about this year. I'm excited about what God is saying to us for this year. And I like to, um, at the end of our 21-day fast, I like to take some time and talk about what God has said for this coming year, for 2020. At the end of November, God began to speak to me about things coming up in this year and what that was supposed to look like, things that he wanted us to do. And I like to take some time before I open my mouth and say, this is what God said and this is where we're going. I like to take some time and really pray about it. And I really like to take the time in our prayer and fasting, our 21 days, I like to take that time and really make sure that I heard from God and really make sure that I'm not stepping out on my own desires and my own purposes, but I've heard the voice of God saying, this is what, we, this is what I want you to do. Because it's not so important what I want to do. What's important is what God wants to do. Amen. So uh, when God began to speak to me about this year, he told me this. You can go ahead and put up the, the service slides here. We're calling today Blueprints. And he told me that 2020 was going to be a year of building. You should be excited about that. Or some of you who have built before say, oh man, I know what's involved in building. I don't want to build a thing. It's too much work. It's hard. But you know what? As I sit here and say that, and you say, oh man, it's hard. Let me remind you about this. When Jesus was saying, come to me, my yoke is easy and my burden is light. When you are doing what God has called you to do, when you're walking what the things that God has called you to walk in, it's never hard, it's never strenuous because his yoke is easy and his burden is light. And his grace is always there to walk through those things that he has called you to do with his power, with his might, and with his ability. Amen? So he said 2020 is going to be a year of building. I was like, okay, what does that mean? What does that look like? And right away, he took me to Matthew chapter 16, verse 18, and it says this. It says, now I say to you, and we're going to focus on the very end. It says that you are Peter, which means rock, and on this rock I will build my church, and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. Yep, thank you, Lord. When God said it's going to be a year of building, he's saying that he will build the church. This is the phrase I want to focus on. It says, I will build my church. Who's building the church there? Jesus is building the church. He said, I'm going to build the church. And the powers of hell will not overcome it, will not defeat it, won't crash the gates, won't make a city inside the gates. He says, the powers of hell will not conquer it because it's a church that I am building. The city of Abbotsford needs the body of Christ. The Fraser Valley needs the body of Christ. It needs it in our church. It needs it in the church down the road. It needs it in the church on the other side of town. In all those hundreds of churches that we got in Abbotsford, Jesus said, I will build the church and hell will not overcome it. So he said, 2020 is going to be a year of building. And immediately he reminded me that it's his job to build the church. And what he builds, nobody can tear down. 
when he's the master craftsman, it's not shoddy work. You don't walk in and be like, oh man, these cupboards look off. Does that, does that look crooked to you? That wall is like six inches shorter on one side than the other side. Jesus, what kind of work are you doing up in this place? When he builds something, it builds to last. It stands and it stays forever. And he said, I will build my church and the gates of hell or the kingdom of hell or the devil and himself will not overcome it. So you got to know that there is a strong foundation when Jesus Christ builds something. So I began to think about this. I began to pray about it. And I began to think of this story in Matthew chapter 7. Let's turn the Bibles over there. Go to Matthew chapter 7. Who's got a Bible today in this place? It's good to have your Bible. It's good to have your Bible on your phone. Your phone counts. Your iPad counts. Computer counts. You brought your computer to church. There's a Bible on that. You can use that too. Matthew chapter 7. This is the very ending of what we call the Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew chapter 5, Jesus preaches his first message that we have account of in the Gospels. Matthew chapter 5, it starts, and he gets up there. All these people are sitting around on the mountain, and Jesus stands up and begins to speak to all these people. And he talks for three chapters. Chapter 5, chapter 6, all the way into the end of chapter 7, Jesus is speaking. I don't know. I mean, like, if you just read those words, it might take 20 minutes to read all those. But I feel like when Jesus was ministering, it took a whole lot longer. And those people's ears and their hearts were open to receive what Jesus was saying that day. So I pray that right now our hearts are open and our ears are open and our eyes are open to receive truth from Jesus. So the very ending of this Sermon on the Mount, Jesus begins to say this. He said, now, anybody who listens to my teaching and follows it is what? What's that word say? What does it say? So anybody who listens to my teaching and I wish we had like one of those TVs that I could like draw on and then you could see what I was doing. And so I could, because I'm a real like visual person. I like in my Bible, I have things like circled and underlined and I write notes inside. So right now what I would like to do was I would like to scribble a big circle over and over and over around that word and, and I would also underline, maybe put a box around the word listens and the word follows. And then I would have an arrow that goes to the word is wise. Because it's a twofold thing here. Anybody who listens to my teaching, oh, but you don't stop there. You don't stop at just listening and follows it is wise. Then he goes on like a person who builds a house on a solid rock. What's he talking about? He's talking about a foundation. He's talking about building your house on a firm foundation. Our church has a strong foundation. It has a strong, deep foundation that has gone down and is built on rock. Rock-solid prayer, rock-solid truth, rock-solid foundations in the believers. Our church has a strong foundation that is ready to be built on and do new things in a new season, in a new decade. You don't want to build. Now, I'm not a builder. 
I don't know if you know this about me or not. I don't build houses for a living. And if you said, Jake, I'd really love to build you a house, I'd be like, you do not know me at all. You should not ask me that question. One time I built, 20, 20 years ago, I built a change table for our daughter. I wish we had a picture of it too because Jen talks about this change table frequently and I was so proud of it. And here's what I did, guys. And and to me, I couldn't figure out what the problem was because I thought this was sound structurally. So what I did was we had some leftover wood from some Ikea stuff that we bought. And so I took like this Ikea tabletop thing. It was like this big by this big, perfect for a baby. And then I went to the hardware store and I bought some long wooden dowels. They were probably like this thick for the legs. That's what I was going to use the legs. And then I chopped them as best as I could. But I'm not like a builder, like I said. So I don't have like a chop saw. I don't have like power tools. I don't have anything. I just sawed them by hand, trying to get the bottoms as straight as I possibly could. So obviously they weren't flat and straight. They were a little wonky. Uh, And then I took sanding paper and I sanded down the bottoms to try and make it really flat. Because I didn't want Sydney to fall off. We loved, I was building from my hands for you. Like this was, I was creating something for you. Okay, so I sanded, I sanded the legs down, made it as flat as I could. Then I turned it out and I got some really great long finishing nails so that you couldn't see them. And I took the tabletop and I set the legs. This was the tricky part, trying to get all the legs standing up and then putting the tabletop on top to nail into. I want you to know I made it. I figured out how to do it. I did it. And I put one big nail in each leg. I was so proud of this thing. I was really proud. And then I showed it to Jen, who destroyed my construction jeans. She was like, what is, we're not putting our child on this thing. Now, I got to tell you, it was pretty rickety. Like, you would just touch it. It was like, whoa. Like, So when I showed it to Jen, I don't think I actually touched it. I was like, look what I made. But like, don't touch it. Don't touch it, whatever you do. So I broke it apart, and it took like 10 seconds to pull apart, obviously. That's the extent of my building. But I do know this. When you build something, because we live in a neighborhood where they're building houses, and we get to watch them build houses all the time. So now I have a deeper appreciation of what goes into building things. The first thing they do is there's a lot where they're going to put a house. They show up, and they begin to dig out the ground. They bring these things in and have shovels and tools, power. In our neighborhood, everything is hand done. There's no power tools. There's like 20 guys that they're shoveling out the dirt. And they shovel it all down till it's nice and hard. Then they come in and they pour this foundation. You can't build a house without a foundation. Well, let me say it this way. You can't build a house that lasts without a foundation. You need something for that house to sit on and to rest, to support it. And our house, our family, our church has a strong foundation. Thick walls that go down to the rock so nothing can shake it. Jesus goes on in verse 25, he says this, though the rains come in torrents and the flood waters rise and the winds beat against that house, it won't collapse because it's built on bedrock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. 
The wise man built his house upon the rock. The wise man built his house upon the rock. And the house on the rock stood firm. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. The rains came down and the floods came up. And the house on the rock stood firm. Yeah, I'm on the worship team next week, so get ready. I'll just be a hype man in the corner. Chee boy. Jesus said, if you build a house on a strong foundation, regardless of what comes your way, regardless of the storms, regardless of the wind, regardless of what's going on outside, your house will stand. Then he goes on in verse 26 and he says this, uh, but anybody who hears my teaching and doesn't obey it is foolish like a person who builds a house on sand. Verse 27 when the rains and floods come to the winds, beats against that house, it will collapse with a mighty crash. You know, I was reading, and as I was reading this story, and as I was thinking about the foundation that has been built in our house, God told me this, that the bigger a house is, the bigger the building is going to be, the bigger the structure that is going to be built, the bigger the foundation must be. And the bigger the foundation is, the longer it takes to prepare that foundation so that it can support what is built on top of it. I was reading about the Brooklyn Bridge. Who's heard of the Brooklyn Bridge? Just making sure we all live on the same planet. When they built the Brooklyn Bridge, they um, had to put these big footings in the Hudson River. And so what they did was they built these things called, called Cajuns, I think is how you say it. And basically it's an upside down box that they took out to the water and then they put some kind of weight on it to pull these boxes down. And what they would do was they would pump the water out so this, this box is sitting on top of the water, begins to sink, and as it begins to sink, they are pumping the water out so that it keeps going down and went down and down. Finally, it hits the silt on the bottom of the Hudson River. And when it hits the bottom and it hits the silt, what they did was they pumped all, all that water out of there so it was dry inside. Then they sent people inside these boxes to begin digging out the dirt and the silt and the gunk to get those occasions, uh, which are gonna be the footings, which was the foundation of the Brooklyn Bridge down to a strong foundation to the rock bed so that it could be poured with cement and support the, the bridge. It takes a long time sometimes to put a foundation in place that you can build on. When you're building the Brooklyn Bridge, you need a strong foundation. That bridge has been there for over 100 years. Hello. Hello. Somebody's picking up what I'm putting down. Andre, was that you? Was that you, Andre? One of the things that God told me when he said it was going to be a year of building, was he said it's going to be a year of building inward, outward, and upward. 
But he didn't say downward, which is what got me thinking about what you build down. And what you build down is the foundation. And our foundation is strong and ready to be built upon. What does inward, outward, and upward building look like? Inward building looks like this. Once that foundation is poured and they're ready to start building on it, you got to start putting the pieces in place to build the house. You got to put the walls in. You got to put the rooms in. You got to put the floor in. You are building in the house. What does that look like for us? And as I say all this, I want you in the back of your head, like an open app on your phone running in the background. I want you to be asking yourself the question, how do I fit? What is my part to play as we begin the building process? We completely believe 1,000%, 1 billion percent, 1 Googleplex percent. First Timothy says that God has given everybody a gift in the body and make sure you use that gift to serve one another well. So I believe that whatever church you call home, there is gifts inside of you that you are called to use to serve the body. So when we talk about it's a year of building and what that looks like, I want you to see yourself in that picture. This isn't me building something. This is Jesus who said, I will build the church and the gates of hell won't prevail against it. And he is directing us on how to do this. And in that doing, it involves all of us. So as I speak, may your ears be ever open to the voice of the Holy Spirit saying, this is what I want for you to do. This is your role you play. This is your piece in the puzzle. So inner, building inward, looks like building each other up, using your gift like it says in 1 Timothy 4, use the gift that God has given you and serve others well. Use your gifts. There's things inside of you. It looks like this, coming to church. Not just when it's convenient. Not just when it's easy. Not when it's your preference. Because here's the thing, when you're building a structure, how hard would it be to build something if the walls were always moving? Or if one day you showed up and the piece of drywall said, actually, today I don't want to be here. I want to be on this wall over here. Actually, today I want to be a floorboard. Tomorrow I may be a stairway. Tomorrow I want to be a door casing. I don't know. Building up looks like being built, being set in place. Jenny preached last summer a message about being planted in the house of the Lord. And when you are planted in the house of the Lord, that is where you flourish. That is where you grow. That is where you thrive. So I don't care if you call Hope City Church your home. Wherever you call your home, maybe you don't have a church home. Find a church home. Get connected, get plugged in, be set in place so that you can be built upon and that you can build others. When the worship team is up here serving, they're not a band. They are a worship team serving us all. When people are doing hospitality, they're not just 
giving you coffee to drink or putting out donuts, which we're going to have after church, or making you delicious strawberry minty water, whatever those things. They're not just doing those things for fun. They are serving. They are being built upon. And in turn, they are building others through what they're doing. We are going to build and build and build and pour in and pour out and pour in and pour out. So as you receive, you will give away. That involves you serving one another, finding an area in the church to use your gifts. That's building in, building out. What does that look like? One of the last things Jesus said to us before he left this planet, if you go to Mark chapter 16, if you go to Matthew chapter 28, one of the last things he said was go into all the world and make disciples. We are here to make disciples. Disciples of all of us here, for us all to grow in the things that God has, and disciples for everybody that you encounter at your job, at your school, your family, your friends, wherever it is you do life, and help draw those people into the body of Christ, into the kingdom of God. It's not just for us. It's for everybody. It's for everybody. So we got to find ways to begin to grow outward where we are thinking outward, where we are thinking of others. So when new people come, they show up, they feel welcome, they feel loved, they feel like we care about them. They feel like there is a God that knows them. There is a God that thought about them, he cares about them, and there's a God that loves them. So we need to begin to find ways. Now, maybe you have some thoughts brewing inside of you. Man, I would love to hear those thoughts. God, I just, I just have like this desire and this passion. I've always wanted to do this. I've always wanted to have this outreach. I've always wanted to find a way to go minister to these people. I've always wanted to go do this, that, or the other. Yeah, come on. Let's find creative ways to get out of these four walls and go meet people. Last, last thing he said was upward. When you're building upward, you're making room. You're making space. John chapter 14, we don't have this verse. John chapter 14, Jesus is talking to the disciples. And he said, my father's house are many mansions or many rooms. There is room for everybody in the body of Christ. There is room for everybody in the kingdom. And we need to make sure that we find ways to create space and create room for these people that come in so that they can know Jesus the same way that we know him. So that those problems in their life can get dealt with. So those issues that they're dealing with can be met. Whatever they're going through, whatever they're facing, whatever those things are, we need to have space. Have you ever gone to somebody's house and felt like you were imposing on them? Like, oh, I'm so sorry I came over. There's no, there's no room for me here. There's no, I see you have chairs at this table for everybody else but me. Do you, should I go? Oh, I mean, you can, you can share a chair with somebody if you want. Jesus said there's room for everybody. In my Father's house are many, many, many rooms I go to prepare a place for you. Which means he's thought about everybody. And he's made sure there's room for everybody in his kingdom. 
So as we go out, as we build in, as we build ourselves up, as we build each other up by using our gifts, and we prepare to go out and launch out into the deep and go find ways to touch our community, we bring those people back and we've built upward so there's space and there's room, so there's programs to meet their needs, that if they don't know Jesus, they can find Jesus, that if they have addiction, they can get free from addiction. Whatever they're facing, we can help them meet those needs through the power of Jesus Christ and make room and space for them in his house, in his church that he is building. Are you picking up what I'm putting down? Is it getting into your heart? I want to take you to one more passage of scripture that God showed me and it just arrested my attention. And these two passages, so Matthew chapter 16, he gave to me like in an instant back at the end of November. And then this passage of scripture that I'm going to show you, uh, uh, he just revealed to me like a month later. And it just came alive in my heart. I knew that it was God speaking to me. I don't know the way that God speaks to you. And I think I've told you this, but I know the way God speaks to me is like this. I know my thought process and my thought pattern. And the way that I think is very analytical and very logical. So I go from step A to step B to step C to step D all the way down to the end. And that's how I get there. But when the Holy Spirit speaks to me and it's God speaking to me, I get from point A to Z like that. I don't have to dilly-dally. I don't got to wander all these trails. I don't got to look stuff up. What does this mean? What is this talking about? I just have, I have the, the answer right then. That's how he talks to me. So when he gave me Matthew chapter 16 and said, I will build the church and nothing will overpower it. That was God. And then a month later, I was reading this in this um, book of Isaiah we're going to look at. I was reading this and it just jumped alive. It like jumped off the page to me. And I want to read this to you. Let's go to Isaiah chapter 54, starting in verse 2. And I feel like this is what God is saying to us prophetically. I don't take this verse lightly. See, last year, last year was a year of unity of us coming together, getting to know each other, trust beginning to be established with me and Jenny, figuring out what future looks like and what it holds. A year of unity coming together, of defeating giants and a year of breakthrough. It's like that preparation time between when the foundation has been poured and the foundation dries and it hardens and then it's ready to be built on. And now it's a year of building and God is saying, this is what I want building to look like. Isaiah 54, starting in verse two says this, enlarge your house, build an addition, spread out your home and spare no expense. Verse three says, for you will see, soon be bursting at the seams. Your descendants will occupy other nations and resettle the ruined cities. Go back to verse two again. I wanna read this again in the Amplified here. It says, enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more children. Stretch out the curtains of your dwellings and do not spare them. Lengthen your tent ropes and make your pegs or your stakes firm in the ground. Verse three, for you will spread out to the right and to the left and your descendants will take possession of nations and will inherit deserted cities. 
I don't know exactly what that looks like. But I do know this is what God is saying. It's a year of building. I don't know how long building takes. It depends on how build, how big the structure you're building is. But I do know that God is our builder. That God is our architect. He is the designer. He is the one who said, I will build the church. And so we are going to continually go to him and say, God, what do you want? What does this look like? Because he has said to us prophetically, go back to verse 2, Jaden, to enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more children. The fields are white unto harvest. We need to begin to carry a passion and a hunger and a desire for people that don't know Jesus. How many of you here uh, participated in the devotional we did? There was a scripture one day last week, I think at the end of week two, and I think it was Hebrews 2, and man, I want to get it right. of the scripture was that we should be burning with passion for those who don't know Jesus. As a pastor and a shepherd, I just want you to know that I take this role very seriously. I don't take it like a job. This is a calling. This is who God created me to be. So I look at all of you. I look at people who call our church their home. And I realize part of my destiny, part of my purpose is to help all of these people become who God has called them to be. To help them use the gifts that God has put inside of them. To pray for them. To keep them. To guide them when it's needed. That's what a shepherd does. At the same time, God has called us to the lost. And I think for some of us, and I think for the body of Christ at large, in some areas, we have lost our passion of really caring about the lost. We think we're okay. I'm okay. My life's under control. But the people that you run into at Costco or at work, on the freeway, the gas station. We don't carry a passion for them. And when God says to enlarge the site of your tent to make room for more kids, 
That means that inside of us, there has to be this burning desire. There has to be a passion for the lost, that there are people out there who don't have what we have, that their lives don't have the answer that we have, that they are sailing around in a boat in the middle of a storm and Jesus is not in their boat. And they need Jesus in their boat with them to say, peace, be still, and let me give you what I have. going to work. Not that we haven't worked for years, not that we didn't work last year, and not that those before us didn't put in a ton of work because foundations and buildings, they all take a ton of work. But in this season, God is saying it's time to go back to work. It's time to get about business. It's time to get out there and build yourself up. It's time, you're gonna hear, you're gonna hear me start saying things like, you need to come to church. You need to read your Bibles. You need to pray. Listen, how many of you here came to our worship nights during our 21 days of prayer and fasting? It was awesome. You're gonna hear me start saying things a whole lot more like, you need to be there. If you, if you haven't been there, you need to come. You need to get in the presence of God. We need to spend our time there. You need to read your Bible. You need to be a church. You need to serve. You need to use your gifts. We're going to start building in. We're going to start building out. You're going to hear me saying like, hey, hey, who'd you talk to about Jesus this week? Who noticed Jesus in you? What's happening in your life? Who are you telling about it? We're going to have a lot of altar calls. Hey, if you don't know Jesus in this place, we want to give you a chance to accept him. We want to give you a chance to have what we have. We want to give you a chance to meet somebody who loves you, who died for you, who gave their life for you so that you could walk in victory and freedom. That's going to be a norm here. It's not going to be abnormal. We should be a church where people come. The body of Christ should be a church where people come and continually people are being saved and set free. You need to know that so that when you have friends that don't go to church, that their lives are a mess, you can say, I don't know what to do with this person, but I know if they come to church, I know they're gonna meet Jesus and they'll have a chance to give their life for them. You need to know that. So yeah, maybe some days we'll have a Sunday where everybody in this church is a believer and we all know each other. I'm gonna say, hey, if you wanna accept Jesus in the place, then uh, you know, just raise your hand, I'll pray for you. And everybody's gonna look around and be like, well, we all know Jesus here. Maybe I should put my hand up just to make Jake feel better. But that's going to be okay. We're going to build upward. We're going to make sure that there is room in our church, in our body, in our family to accommodate anybody who calls on the name of Jesus Christ. We are in the people business. We are building a people building, a building built out of people. That's the material that Jesus uses. And guess what's exciting? I'm a part of that. You're a part of that. You get to be a light. You get to be a door. Josiah is a stair. 
Somebody can be the kitchen counter. Somebody can be the deck out back and the, the windows and the carpet and the bedrooms. We are the pieces that God uses to build his church. So I ask you again, how do you fit? What is the role that God is calling you to play? I hope that question rings around your head all week long. And I pray, let's stand up together. And I'm gonna pray this. Father, I thank you in the name of Jesus that as we leave this place today, that your voice is continually speaking to each and every one of us about the, the callings, the giftings, the gracings, the abilities, the things that you have placed inside of us. And God, I ask that you begin to show us how you are calling us to use those gifts. How we can use the things that you've put inside of us to serve one another with gladness and with joy. That we're not just called to sit in a chair that we're not just called to come and fill ourselves up, but we are called to come and fill ourselves up and then pour ourselves out, and then fill ourselves up and then pour ourselves out, and then fill ourselves up some more and then pour ourselves out some more. God, I thank you that you are revealing to us your plans, your purpose, your vision. God, we thank you that you said that you would build the church and your building of people that the gates of hell will not overcome and will not prevail against. Speak to us, guide us, lead us, direct us. In Jesus' name. Jen. Thanks so much for joining us today. We hope you are drawn closer to Jesus and that his spirit, his love, and his life are filling you right now. If you'd like more info about who we are and what we're doing at Hope City, head over to hopecitychurch.ca to find out more. And if you liked what you heard, head over to iTunes and rate the podcast to spread the word so others can hear too. And oh, one more thing before we go. We just want to remind you that you were made for hope.